With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. We are live. Yes, this is Offside Hockey Talk. I'm James from Offside, and that is Pete the Heat from Offside now. Pete, how's the night treating you? Uh, I almost got canceled today, so it, it's it's been a ride today. I uh, I made a video uh, last night just pretty much bombing Matthews' skates, and uh, I didn't realize till at the end of the game that they were for sick kids, so... Um, yeah, I made a donation to Sick Kids today, so that's how I've been doing. <laughs> Listen, fresh out the gates, making mistakes. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, checking in from across the pond, we do have our friend Andy. What's going on, my friend? Jumping in is over. It's got to be late over there. But I want to get to my rant right off the top here. Okay, there is a lot being said about certain players in Leafs Nation and fans being excited about those players or caring about their players, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to tell somebody how to fan. I'm not going to tell you how to support the team. But what I will tell you right now is if you're going to sit there and say that someone, because they care about a certain player, that they're less a fan, they're less knowledgeable, and I'm talking about Alexander Kerfoot here. The problem I have, I see a lot of people bombing this guy. Does he make a little bit too much for what he does? Yes. I'll give you that. No problem, no argument there. But what he does do is he's a defensive kind of specialist. We love David Camp because he does those things, but he's inexpensive. So if he doesn't score, we're not upset about it. But Kerfoot makes $3.5 million. So I get the fact that people get attached to that number, not the player. Sit down and break down what Kerfoot does on a minuscule level, and you would be happy with the defensive chops that he has, the PK things that he does, the speed that he brings, and the I will not quit attitude that he gives it every single game as a Maple Leaf. But people attach themselves to the $3.5 million and say this guy is garbage. If Kerfoot was making $1.5 to $2 million, nobody would say boo. They would be happy with 53 points, which is what he got last year, by the way, which is not right really now. Gabby. I think he's got, what, 20? Or less? Let's see. Okay, that's a bit Let's go. I mean, Hang on. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Okay. Talk I will say, James, here. It, it doesn't help how what okay. we 15 points. 15 points in 33 games. So he's about a half a point. Half a point a game player. I'm not mad with that. Yeah, if he was I, making a little less, everybody would be happy with that. But so many people attach themselves to $3.5 million and go, we could have the sun, the moon, the sky. No, you couldn't. You'd have to move him and Hall and Engvall, and then you're moving so many pieces off this lineup, which does not make sense. If you're tearing Kerfoot apart because of that money, look at the intangibles he brings and the fact that he did bring 53 freaking points last year. 
and he can do it again this year. No, he is not a second line player. I will say that every single day. He's not a second line player. What's that? 50 points on the third line. That's that's a little tough to do. But I, I like where he, I like his role right now on the third line. That third line is buzzing. You, they, he, they're making any ball look good out there. But I will say, James, it doesn't help what we gave up for Kerfoot. You know, Nazem, the Nazem Kadri trade. Like that's I don't know. Like a lot well, of people you're, are, you're you're attaching yourself to that as well. You're, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm just playing play devil's advocate town. here. I'm playing devil's advocate and. I will say, watching him get two, was it two penalty shots this year? Two. And he missed on both of them. I just, there's little things in his game that really piss you off. But again, you, you not again, but like we pay attention to more of the negatives in someone's game rather than the positives. And right now it's it's looking really positive for Kerf, Kerfoot, in my opinion. It is. And it's what I've been telling everybody for the entirety of the year. And I bring this up because I saw it in someone's video and I was like, no, no, no. And I'll shout them out. It was Leafs talk, talking about the fact that people are attached to players because they wear the Leafs jersey. I'm not attached to the player because he wears the jersey. I'm attached to the guy for what he's able to do and what he's able to bring. And yeah, he's miscast at three and a half million dollars. I get that. And he's attached to the cadre deal. So that's another slight against the player. Fine. But Kerfoot for what he does, if you give him a million dollars less, or even a million and a half less, and he's on your third and fourth line, that's where he belongs. I've been long saying that to you in our group, that Kerfoot is not a top six guy. Put guys where they will thrive and succeed, which is the bottom six. But the narrative that you're liking a player because they wear this sweater is garbage. I like Kerfoot because of the defensive chops, the penalty kill. I go back to the Columbus series, for crying out loud, where he looked like he was the only guy who gave a flying damn on the ice, on the penalty kill, busting his ass off. Yeah, he looks really good. So I look at those things, and I say, those are the reasons why I like Kerfoot. I can give you a 100 different reasons why I like the player. I don't like the contract, no. But like we said about Matt Murray, you can separate the contract and the bad play from the person. You look at the person and say, Matt Murray's a great person. I want to see him do well. You can say that. And you know what? He's done well anyways. But with Kerfoot, you can separate, okay, his contract sucks, but he does good for what he can do. And he's playing probably above his level anyways, which is they're trying to put him on that second line, which it's been a whirly-do of whoever can fit there. And we'll get there tonight too. Kerfoot is 100% a bottom six player is exactly what I'm saying. But to say that, you know, people just like the guy because he wears a sweater, it's not the truth. There's things that people do that you like. Him. Go go check out a few people. I'll send you some things, right? Okay. It's just um, it's just wild, right? It's just wild to see those things. I, and you know me, man. I'm a big, big Leaf fan, but I'm also pretty even keel, right? If the guys are doing things that are silly, I'm talking about it. The guys are doing things that are good, I'm talking about it. But Alexander Kerfoot, 15 points in 33 games, almost a, point, a half a point player. You know, that's a third liner to me. That's a that's a third liner. So he's going to end up with, what, maybe 47, 48 points a year if he goes on a little bit of a heater. That ain't bad, second or third line. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just three and a half million, like you said, man. It's a, it's a lot for a third, third pairing centerman. You know, it, it definitely is. But that's the thing I'm trying to say here is he got miscast because they were trying to make him the next kind of cadre. Right, because everybody was so upset about Kadri leaving that they had to anoint someone, give somebody that option, which is here's Kerfoot, 
this is what you're going to like. This is what you're going to do. And this is how you're going to play. It's what they're doing to Nick Robertson on the second line. We're going on a whirly here. The second line, you got Nick Robertson, and you're trying to make him the next Michael Bunting. He's going into the corners, and he just blew out his shoulder because of it. So that's why I'm seriously saying for Nick Robertson, he will not be a Toronto Maple Leaf beyond when he comes back. Man, you're wild. I, you want to call it quits on Nick Robertson. What do you think that? What do you think is going to happen? You're, they're going to package him for Ryan O'Reilly? There's going to be a big trade this year, right? And you think Nick Robertson is going to be a part of that? Listen, again, and again, everyone, I just want to say thank you very much for tuning in over on TikTok. Comments are flying in on YouTube. Got stuff coming in on Twitch and Twitter as well. Appreciate everybody jumping in. This is our holiday ender, so we will look as much as we can to get questions in. I know Pete's scrolling through, so guys, make sure you check it out. Make sure you see everything, and if we miss a question, throw it back up. We'll get it going. Um, for me, yeah, you get rid of Nick Robertson. I was the biggest drum beater for Nick Robertson, and you know it. I didn't want Dennis Malgan making it out of camp. I wanted Robertson too. It looks like I was right because Malgan's now a Colorado Avalanche, and we will get to that trade, by the way. But Nick Robertson, to me, to me, guys, is a player that now really doesn't have a chance to create an identity. And why do I say that? The Leafs want him to be bunting-esque. They want him to go into corners and dig out pucks because you already have JT and Marner on that line as score, setup guy, yeah. etc. So They're they need not. the mucker to do the rest of the work. Bunting does that on line one. They're trying to find someone who can do that on line number two. Cali Armproke to me, may be a great stopgap solution, but he's definitely a bottom six guy as well. He did play good, but that's what I mean. He's a stopgap solution. Mm -hmm. He's never been a consistent scorer in the NHL, and he's 31 years old. I don't think that's coming now. But bottom six guy, given an opportunity on PP2, probably can bang some pucks in. So, yes, to answer your question, Pete, I do think they are going to package Nick Robertson in a deal. And the guys that I'm talking about beating the drum, I want Ryan O'Reilly. Everybody's so excited about the fact that, you know, Timo Meyer, Eric Carlson, all these other names, Travis Konecki, et cetera, et cetera. For me, Ryan O'Reilly, he, he may have stepped back offensively, but – he is still a defensive stalwart, still a mucker, still a grinder, still a get the hell off my goalie, get the hell off my guys kind of guy. So he is that guy that you want to be on the forefront of your team in the top six. I'm saying and I'll beat that drum. That's what the Leafs need. Just a grizzled ice in his beard. Look at the picture I'm talking about online. You will fall in love all over again. But you got to go after a guy like that. And the reason why you don't go after a guy like Travis Konecki or anyone with term, I've told you guys this all the time, the Leafs have set them up, and Kyle Dubas has set it up, that there are not too many contracts beyond when Austin Matthews and William Nylander become UFAs. They don't want a whole lot of big tickets to have to figure out. They want the maximum amount of money because nobody knows what the cap is doing available to them mm. to be able to sign those two players. That is important to Kyle Dubas or whoever takes the helm. But the fact is, if you want to go get a Konecki or you want to go get another guy with term, then you're starting to see, okay, what are we going to do cap-wise? And we may have to let somebody walk. And I think they've already felt that sting with Hyman and Campbell and other guys who have had to walk away or walk away from, like Ilya Mikheyev, 
not doing too bad in Vancouver, not a $4 million player in my eyes, but they've had to do these things because they haven't been able to manage the cap because of the COVID situation. This is Kyle Dubas taking control and saying, we are not going to have too many contracts going forward so we can back the Brinks truck up to Austin Matthews. And hell yes, William Nylander playing out of his mind. Does he piss people off some nights the way he floats a little bit or doesn't go hard in the corners? Hell yes, he does. But at the same time, you laud the fact that he scores goals and does those things that no other player on the ice can do some nights. And that is William Nylander. He's Alexei Kovalev. He's a Jenny Malkin. He's Alexander Semin. All those guys that brought it when they wanted to bring it. That is a William Nylander. And a lot of teams loved having those guys. Love Nylander. He looks so good. And he's on a career. I say he's on a career trajectory for his, uh, for goals this year. So it's exciting to see him do as well as he is right now. Um, yeah. Like you said, he's not, a lot of people don't like his, his off games here when he's, he's not really back checking. He's not going into corners, but uh, I don't know, Willie, I'd, I'd love to see him on this team, but I'm just, I'm looking at his contract and you know, he's going to get something. What, Dylan and I were talking about this last podcast. Like he's going to get somewhere in, I want to say JT Miller money, probably more like eight, 9 million. What do you think, James? Like that, what do we sign? You're going to be William Nylander. If he's a bang on the money, 30 plus goal scorer in the NHL, they get paid. They get paid. So he's probably going to be an eight and a half to $9 million guy, which is what it's going to create to keep yeah. him here with term. And you know what? Again, these are the guys that you want on your team. You want your reoccurring core. Look at Tampa. Look at Boston. The same names always come up. Marshan, Pasternak, Bergeron, Krejci, and we took a year off. But the same guys are there. Same thing with Tampa. Point, Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Hedman. Same thing. They got their core and they try to keep it. Mm. The Leafs need to do it too. I'm telling you now, there's a lot of people that want Tyler Bertuzzi as well. Tyler Bertuzzi, to me, would be a great ad for the Leafs. The only, only concern, because I think they can walk work around the Vax thing. I think that's something that can be a special exemption for work. But the injuries are the problem I have with Tyler Bertuzzi. He's missing a lot of time, and that really kind of stings for players, especially when you're going down the stretch and in the playoffs. You don't want to have to worry about a guy getting hurt, and he's been getting hurt a little bit more than usual. How old is Tyler Bertuzzi? Is he he's UFA at the end of the season? He, I believe he is a UFA at the end of this season, and um, the way it but sounds in – in Detroit right now. He's what's the rule with the the COVID passport or the getting into the US? There's a the rule with that, right? He's not he's not vaccinated. So if um what it is is basically so if he gets traded to, to the Canadian team, right? Um he cannot go back into the states without a valid vaccination because he would no longer be a resident of the United States. So that makes it a problem for him traveling back oh. and forth. So we will see um, if that thing shakes out. There's people saying that they've been traveling. I know that when we traveled, it wasn't a huge, huge thing. But again, you get one one person doing their job properly. I was going to say something mean, but I shouldn't because it's just someone doing their job the way they're trained to do it. Um, that causes a problem. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I'm just going to rehash a little bit here. 
on the, uh, the, the opening rant about Kerfoot. Um, just putting it out there. You can cheer for a guy, and it's not just because they wear a sweater. It's not just because they're a part of, a, of an organization that you're cheering for them. You can cheer for the intangibles and the things that they bring, and the player does himself. Um, I will say again, I'll reiterate this for everyone. Kerfoot is paid too much. Yes, we all know that. But Kerfoot is a bottom six player who brings it every night, can play left wing, right wing, center, plays on your penalty kill. We all laud him for the exact same things that Yarn Croak was brought in to do and what David Camp does and what Mr. Hunt will do as well. Defensively, he is astute. Offensively, He's not there. Unfortunately, he's miscast in about a million and a half dollars, which makes him, in some people's eyes, having the ability to produce more. But he did put up, like I said, 53 points last year. He's at a half a point a game player this year. I'm not mad about it. It sucks to have just a little bit too much tied up in him, but he is trying to bring it and he's doing what he needs to do. And everybody bumps the slumps, guys. Come on. So we'll see what Kerfee can do in the second half of the season going into the new year. But that's just my little rant on that. You can like a player, and it doesn't mean just because they're wearing the sweater that you do. Fair enough, James. Fair enough. You got that out of your system. Yeah. But anyways, let's swing the uh, the narrative back around here. Uh, I do agree with producer Clark. Again, we're going across the networks. We're having fun tonight. Um, so if you're catching this live, you're loving it. If you're watching or listening to this afterwards, where were you, by the way? Uh, these shows are always so much fun. Uh, Clark Monroe saying that William Nylander's bad games are few and far between. So, listen, I get you. I just – we all know there's some plays where you can go a little harder, do a little more, but everybody can do that. We call out multiple guys, multiple games for having a little shifty roo off, and it is what it is. Last night, though, the Toronto Maple Leafs face the Tampa Bay Lightning. I dubbed it early in the day, a game that mattered, a game that really should have some pop and pizzazz, some pomp and circumstance, because this game was one where the Leafs kind of wanted to get back at the Tampa Bay Lightning, losing in overtime. They start Matt Murray. They really wanted to set a tone and bring some things to the ice last night. And they did to the point where John Cooper after the game was kind of snarky about it saying, Oh, they played the same systems. They just must've reinvented the way they did it or something, which is absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, ah. I mean, the Leafs dominated that game. If it weren't for Andre Vasilevsky, that game, that should have been like a six, six, one game. Like, Listen, I'm telling you right now, he should have grabbed every single goalpost as well, took him out of the arena afterwards, took him to some shine, paint, and polish place, and make him look real fancy and treat him real nice because those posts helped his arse out last night too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, um, but again, like the Leafs look very dominant last night, as they should have. They're coming off of two regulation losses. The, The Washington game, I think that's the most goals they've ever allowed, so they needed a big game and they certainly didn't disappoint. Well, see, one thing that I really did like from last night's game was there was players that the Leafs kind of wanted to stick it to. And that's Corey Perry. That's Alex Kalorn. That's Nick Paul. That's Don't Brady. Don't forget about Dan Kelly. We'll talk about Dan Kelly afterwards. But I bring these names up because those were the names that really messed with the Leafs in the playoffs. 
And guess what? All of those players I just mentioned were dashes last night and really mixed it up with Mr. Michael Bunting, which we will talk about the whole situation in a couple of moments. But those players that really play those roles and feed into doing dumb things, like I watched an instance last night where Corey Perry was kind of like this on Murray's head with his elbow while Murray was down on his knees, you know, guarding the puck after a scrum. Those little things that Corey Perry does, you'd love him to do on your team. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Absolutely. But it's greasy and it's annoying as all hell. But those players were all dashes last night. And that was important to me because it showed Tampa was trying to run those guys out to run the Leafs out of the rink like they did before. Get physical, get gritty, get grimy. And it didn't affect the Leafs the same way. They used their speed, they used their tools, and did what they needed to do to get away from the Chets, to avoid checks. And by the way, John Tavares throwing some hits last night as well. What in the ever-loving hell was going on there? He had an angry bee in his bonnet last night too. But when the team comes engaged, guys, and it doesn't matter if you're watching on what channel, you understand this team can do some fun damn things. But I want to talk about something that's, I guess, a stick in my craw, and you know what it is. It's face-offs. Do you know, do you know what the face-offs were last night? Mm, I was, trying, I was trying to pay attention to them. I, I noticed they were losing a lot of them, though. I don't know, James. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make some laughs here. Uh-oh. John Tavares last night on the dot, 64%. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Love uh-huh. that. David Kampf. A guy that everybody loves for his defensive chops, Al Kerfoot. Mm-hmm. He was 78% on the dot. Ooh. William Nylander, 100% on the dot. What? I thought they were losing this. What game was I watching? Hold on, hold on. Now, two guys that I've been beating mm-hmm. on all season long to step up their faceoff game. Pontus Holmberg and Austin Matthews had the exact same faceoff percentage. Do you know what that is? It's going to be Take pretty a low. Pretty low. 33% each. So that is a guy on your third line that you really like the energy and everything that he brings in Pontus Holmberg, but he's not winning the draw, which means if you're in the offensive zone and you want to tie up one of those top lines, Pontus Holmberg is not winning that draw for you. So he needs to work on that face-off draw. Everything else about Holmberg's game, I'm loving. It's all coming together for him, which is great. But the face-offs... Those are important if you're a bottom six guy because that right there really, really matters. And then Austin Matthews, it goes back to me thinking there has to be something wrong with the old Ristaroo because his face-offs, he studied, studied Sidney Crosby on how to win him, works with Jason Spezza, something telling me that there's something wrong there where he's not winning the draws because there has not been a game – that he's been over the 50% mark, which is a huge problem for the Toronto Maple Leafs because if your top two centers are not clicking at at least a 50% rate, then you got some problems again because Austin Matthews, he draws in the offensive zone for the power play if JT gets kicked out, and he draws when his line is on the ice because he's a driver. So it just makes me... uh, Makes me a little weird. Yeah, there's a few people talking about Matthews having some muffins coming off his stick this year. It's weird to see. That's why I'm saying I think there may be something to this that maybe he's playing through or has been playing through. Are you sure, James? Did you see that wrist shot last night? That was was a thing of beauty, just freezing Vasilevsky like that. I don't know. His his shot looks good to me. I don't know if he's checking him on the face-off, but... 
a shooting motion is different than a face-off motion. Okay. Because you got to flick for a shoot, and you're pulling back usually for a face-off. He's also you're got not, a bad shoulder as well. You're right? not going forward drive yet, but, but I, yeah, it could be could be either way. But I'm thinking that Pontus Holmberg, there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. Both of them just need to pick up their face-off dots. That is something that is really concerning me in that game against Tampa. You got to pick it up. We did still off the backs of John Tavares and Will or John Tavares, Willie Nylander, and David Camp come out with 51% of the draws last night. Not bad. So you weren't wrong that we were winning a fair amount. It was only when JT and Camp were on the ice, though. Um, so we go back to that game, the incident with Bunting. Shoved off the ice by Kelly. Apparently, he played him in the AHL, by the way. Yeah. Um, didn't know that. He also is the guy that gave Andreas Janssen a concussion. Uh, oh, Laid man. him out on the ice. And Kelly got 10 games for that hit, too, if you want to search that. Andreas Janssen on um, – or Dan Kelly on Andreas Janssen caught him right on the blue line, head down, and just put him – almost put him to sleep. It was brutal, but – I it think was. Rich Clune did fill him in at one point, so he, he, oh, he definitely did fill him in for sure. That, I mean, there was retribution that was had, yeah. but it just then you look at last night and how physical he was. You know, you could tell that the player angst was still in him a little bit. Oh, yeah. where he was just getting a little handy. And it wasn't like Bunting was fighting back or anything. He was just like he was being escorted, no problem. And then he just pushes him. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. The riff. Uh, the riff was the riff. The ref was out of line, man. To me, our linesman, because he's a linesman, he was out of yeah. line. Um, shouldn't have done that. I mean, it's not the first time apparently he's done that either. Apparently, he's done that before. So, I mean, I don't know. Nothing will come from the league, but at the same time, yeah, I'm very, very happy with how Bunting and Keith responded to it, though. You look at what happened with Kale McCarr, you know, telling the ref to take back that penalty. So, I'm thinking <laughs> the Leafs are trying to buy a little grace here. You know, yeah. by uh, not flipping out and embarrassing the lives of the referee my, crew. My favorite is Bunting's reaction after he just looks and smiles and goes, oh, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I can't believe that just happened. I love his blinks because he's always, like, very animated in the blinks. Like, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Tricky Trock is saying it right, too. Imagine imagine a player did that to a ref. Uh, we saw what happened with Dennis Wideman. Yes. Yeah, uh, 10 games know, for that, minimum. Back in the day. Yo, minimum, minimum, minimum. Um, it's absolutely crazy. I couldn't believe that it – Went on like that last night. I don't think that's right by an official, especially when you're trying to, you know, buy respect from players and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it was a little bit uh, off-settling, if we will, but it did happen. But the Leafs did manage to pull out a 4-1 win, and in that, outshot Tampa 40-19. to And I'm going to say Matt Murray looked pretty good. I know he didn't have that's to do right. a whole right. hell of a lot, but when he was called upon, he made the saves. Murdoch. Murdoch is murdering it right now. I love it, man. We have two goalies we can just put in net, and I, I I don't have any anxiety about it. Both of them. We got Samson off starting tomorrow night. I am. I. It's weird. Like I was just seeing our goaltending like this. Is it's it's not normal. Like we're used to having what Hutchinson, Morazic, Campbell. We got two good goalies this year. I think the best tandem in the league. Well, I would agree with you with the best tandem in the league. You go and you look. So Ilya Samsonov on save percentage is second in the league at a 929. Mm. Not too bad. Oh, but in sixth in the league is Matt Murray at a 925 after last best night. Best tandem in the league. 
Goals against average, Ilya Samsonov is third in the league at 1.98 goals against. And Matt Murray, again, sixth in the league at 234. Hello, this goaltending tandem, the sample size is getting bigger yeah. and the numbers are getting better. And yeah. by the way, here's the one that everyone's all, ooh, the Leafs are not scoring. The Leafs' goal differential is going up. It is growing. It's now a plus 28. Also, they have elevated themselves from 22nd in the league to number 14 in the league in goals four, which means their guys are heating up and the goals are also starting now to flow off the sticks. And this is without a guy named Morgan Riley, which is uh, who I want to turn my attention to next. Don't forget about him. Our defense has been so good lately. You're like, oh, yeah, we got Morgan Riley just sitting off to the side. I can't wait for him to come back. Um, so Morgan Riley takes his first laps and instead of getting excited, a lot of Leafs Nation say, why do we need him? Just like you did. Oh my God. I know. A lot of Leafs are like going, well, we can just trade away Morgan Riley, one of our yeah. top defensemen who's been here forever. And we can just bring in some new stuff. Why? Why are we doing this? Who's, who's saying that? You're not trading Morgan Riley. So it's many people. Leafs Twitter, so right? Gotta love Leafs Twitter. Leafs Twitter, Leafs Instagram, Leafs TikTok. So many people making videos saying, you know, Morgan Riley is now expendable. And I look at it and I say, we just re-signed him. The guy is your power play quarterback. He's literally a rover because he can do offensive things like offensive guys do. And to me, his defensive metrics are not A1, but he's not a detriment by any stretch of the league so yeah. everyone talking about morgan riley getting traded pump those breaks i can't wait for mo to get back um but then of course we have another injury on defense rasmus sandini now with a jacked up neck that's not good so not good at all went, he went for evaluations today they still do not have a huge thing of what's going to be going on not going to be, good, not gonna be well, good at all it's a neck thing man. So I, I see him not coming back probably till mid-january oh my god it might yeah that's, it might be even longer than that like neck injuries suck look at jake muzzin it does suck but again we don't know what it is we know crosby missed significant really time because of whiplash um so we just have to see what it is and where it falls for Mr. Rasmus Sandin, but uh, he will not play tomorrow. Um, he is going to go get more tests done. They're apparently waiting to see how he settles as well. Um, there are, yep, yeah, it could just be a next strain, but even a strain, guys, could take seven to 10 days for you to be able to get full motion back in your neck without pain. Because I don't know about you, if you've ever had a strain on either side of your neck and you go to turn your head, it is excruciating excruciating i've had a couple of them through football and just not something i i like James wrong oh, what's that you're a big football guy hey eh? i didn't know that i have uh, well in high school i played tight end for the cole harbor Ooh. cavaliers so i got to catch the ball hit do all the fun stuff so Ooh. loved it loved it i was uh, in high school playing football i was 6'2 194 pounds so perfect, perfect size holy smokes so I was ready to ready to rock and roll and have some fun, <laughs> run over some boys. Um, but yeah, I look at it and I and I say, Rasmus, you know, get well, get healthy, come back. 
the Leafs D has just been so good with plug and play things. Connor Timmons has come in and looked good. Jordy Ben's on the men, so we'll see what happens he, when he comes back in. Morgan Riley's still a little while away, but he's coming as well. Also, Crawl is on the ice, hasn't got a chance to play, injured himself in the preseason. So he's out there taking whirly doos and working on his shoulder and coming back. So the Leafs have some guys that'll uh, – losing my spit here, guys – that'll be coming back to formify, fortify this back end for the Maple Leafs. Um, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. But the thing that I'm loving, and I know this is going to get everybody up in arms, Uh Justin Hall and Mark Giordano are looking good, folks. Justin Hall has simplified his game. What did I tell you guys? He's starting to find it, and it's good. I mean, like, ever since he started playing with Brody, now that he's he's found his game, he's playing with Gio now. He looks great. He's making the – Great defensive plays. He's not sending hot pizzas through the middle anymore. So it's it's good no, to see. Not really but what's that? The five minute muffin is gone. It's gone. But uh, yeah, it's good. I'm not really cringing anymore when he touches the puck. So it's uh, it's been a nice little relief. Here. Well, what did I tell you? You know, I said to you and Dylan, and you guys laughed at me a little bit, but I said they needed to rebuild him like the Leafs did with Dion Phaneuf before they packaged him out of town. And they simplified Phaneuf's game. So now they've simplified Hall's game. They've given him a stable partner. That's the other thing, a stabilizing partner. Muzzin was that stabilizing partner, but obviously Muzzin being hurt did not benefit Hall. So it made Hall look like a garbage player because his partner wasn't that great. So Hall and Brody together, love it. Simplify the game, simple chips out the zone, he has brain farts every now and then, catching the puck and throwing it. That's just a reactionary thing, folks. Things happen. Things happen. You know, it just, that's the way it is. Pete, if someone throws something your way or it's in the air in front of you, do you not grab it with your hand and think about throwing it? All the or time. It? Especially if I got a hand grenade in my hand, I'm going to throw it right back. <laughs> <laughs> but Pop listen. Potato coming your way, James. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, you know, I like what Justin Hall is bringing with TJ Brody. He looks stable. Um, you know, old Clark, he was talking about Hall being not so bad all the time. He's great. You know on, he's been great on the PK. He's been great on the PK. He's great at blocking shots. Yes. Yeah. You great know, shot blocking blocker. shots has been a huge thing for Mr. Justin Hall. You look at his metrics. He leads the Leafs in block shots. So obviously he's getting in front of pucks and doing the right little things that you need to do. It's just when he makes a mistake, it's the Gardner effect. Because everybody's already focused on him. It's just blowing up. Like it's the biggest thing in the world. Like how could Hall do that? He could have 15 great plays. The one bad play is the problem. And that unfortunately has been the issue with him for a long time. But now with Brody, he's looking good. And then Mr. Mark Giordano, come on down. Loves it. Keeps the engine firing. He's running hot. Playing over 20 minutes tonight when everybody's out. No problem. He's doing breaking up two-on-ones, doing everything great. Nom, 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 nom. Just eating pucks and having fun. You know, that's the uh, the Mark Giordano way. And I want to say this. Connor Timmons. Timmy. Last night. <laughs> last night, he pulled a TJ Brody. I loved it. I thought it was TJ Brody. He went down on his belly and he broke up the cross seam class and it did not go through. He got right down and disrupted the play, didn't draw a penalty, didn't do anything wrong, but he just did it like TJ Brody. And I thought it was Brody. 
that is Brody's go-to, just slide along the ice. And he last night, Brody almost let one slide in as he was doing that. But Matt Murray on his game last night. But yeah, no, like you said, they, Brody loves sliding on the ice. Connor Timmins mimicking Brody's play. Love to see it. Absolute history, too. I just want to say this about Justin Hall because one of our good followers, Tricky Traka, uh, we had a great live, by the way, last night. Everybody was in there bumping. It was a great time. Justin Hall is the first Leaf to score two goals in his debut as a Maple Leafs, as a defenseman. So, yes, he owns a little piece of Leafs history as well. So we root for Justin Hall. We root for the Maple Leafs, not just because we love every single thing about the Leafs. No, we don't. We love the fact that the Leafs can give us entertainment. We pick them apart. We have fun with it. We do a show about it for crying out loud. And if you watch any of the videos, we're critical at times because we know what to be critical about. But Pete the Heat, the Toronto Maple Leafs made a trade. We have we've gone almost forty minutes, and we have not talked about the blockbuster deal that is the blockbuster. The phenom, the phenom, Dennis Malgin traded for the defensive stalwart. Mr. Dryden Hunt. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because yes. everyone wanted Malgin to succeed scoring-wise. Um, you never want to see a player do, you know, crap on your team. You want everybody to do well. That's what you want. But he didn't. He didn't fit in here. It's the same thing. He wasn't fitting in on the second line because he's not physical enough to do so. So he's not going to fit there. Obviously, we get that. No problem. We will move on. We bring in Mr. Hunt, a guy that fits my monkey here. He can the front of the net he can hit he can block shots if he has to and he'll drop the old dusters and go after somebody if he needs to as well and why do i like that well he's a david camp with physicality is the way that i'm looking at it and the way it's been explained to me with some that are within the lease organization that's how they view him so i'm all right with that if that's the reasoning you're giving me that's the drum i'm going to beat all over social media and everywhere i talk about he's a david camp with physical play cool I can get on board with that. I'm very upset. I'm not going to get to watch his first game as a Leaf tomorrow. I mean, he was he was in the practice jersey, but what? What? It's, he's not playing tomorrow. No, um, that was a misread. Uh, he oh. was he was put in a regulars jersey on the bottom six, the bottom line, where Zach Aston Reese usually goes. Sheldon yeah. Keith will play after practice. He will not be debuting against Philly. He needs more time to acclimate with the team, so he will okay. not be there. Uh, playing with the Maple Leafs. He will take the the pregame skate, the pregame warm-up, and all that good stuff, uh, but he will not be in the lineup. But I will be excited to see him because he will draw in. But I kind of want to see him with um, Zach Asteris in the lineup as well. So we'll see, you know. We'll see. Um, Hunt, what's that? Hunt will fit, Hunt will fit in the bottom six. Uh, another guy that I haven't heard much about and I don't know what's going on with, uh, we signed him in the offseason as cadet. I don't know if he's still injured. There was high hopes for him as well as a player that might be able to make an impact on this squad. That is someone I'm going to do some homework on over mm -hmm. the holidays and see exactly what's happening there because I have not heard a lot about him. And that was someone I thought really could come in with some pedigree and do some stuff for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but yeah, Hunt is a no-go for tomorrow. Rasmus Sandin, a no-go for tomorrow. Um it may look like Mac Hollowell or Ben gets in. Um, I but think Ben, no? What's that? I would think Jordy Ben gets in for sure, no? Depends. I mean, appreciate it, TB. Uh, we'll see you later on. 
Uh, again, guys, this is a live show. So if you're listening to this afterwards, I got to ask again, where were you? Uh, but we are live on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Having a blast. Everything's popping off. It's Leafs Talk. Why not? Uh, this is Offside Hockey Talk. We do a podcast every Sunday and Wednesday. This is my co-host right here. We'll reset the tunes. It's Pete the Heat. Dylan is usually with us. He will be back on Sundays. Not this Sunday, though, because the big ho-ho man comes. And, of course, we are brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Co.'s Puck Off Lagerdale, the absolute big beer for the big game. They're the big sponsor of the show. Appreciate them to the fullest. Um, yeah, so for you, so far this season, we're getting close to the tail end of the show. What do you see so far that you like, and what is one thing that you want to change for the Toronto Maple Leafs heading into the after the holidays, into the new year? My favorite thing is the goaltending right now. I love what I see from Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov. I'll dance all day to that because that is Woo! that just I, I love it. I love the goaltending. Goaltending is so so important in playoffs, and we need good goaltending when we match up. But probably against Tampa this year again, we're probably going to get Tampa in the first round. So we need someone that's going to match up against Vasilevsky. Either Samsonov or Murray. I'm, I'm assuming we're going to go Murray. But, uh, yeah, no, the goaltending is my favorite thing. Um, one thing I will say, I mean, my only critique right now is, um, I guess, Austin Matthews. Like, I mean, he don't get me wrong. He's putting up – he's over a point per game here. But, you know, we're used – we want to see a 60-goal scorer, Austin Matthews. He's not He's not on pace for 60 goals right now. Come on, buddy. What are you doing? Pick it up. That, that's pretty much my only critique here. Uh, James, I mean, defense is great. As long as Morgan Roddy comes back, fits right back in, we still hold down the four. We're allowing fewer goals. I'm, I'm, I'd be happy with every every one of those points. No, listen, I, I fully love the fact that the uh, the both goaltenders have stepped up and really uh, you know made it known that they want to be number ones in the NHL um, and really have taken their game to the next level. But it does show – how good the Leafs' defensive structure and play is that they put in place because a guy like Jack Campbell's not faring so well over at Edmonton. Oh. And you look at what the Leafs are able to do. Peter Morazic not looking good in Chicago either. So it really shows you how good the Leafs' D was, was last year to allow those guys to flourish or do anything at all between the Bears and the Maple Leafs. So this year you have two good goaltenders. Not I'm not mad about that. The other thing I'll talk about too. Um, is the Leafs' depth on defense. For so long, we beat a drum, beat a drum, and said, hey, the Leafs need defensive depth. Well, now they have it because they're bringing guys up and they're plugging and play with these guys and they're filling into the lineup and doing what they need to do for the Maple Leafs, which is absolutely great. Mac Hollowell, a great you know guy coming up from the thing. Noel Hoffelmeyer, I've seen him in the thing. He's tearing it up right now, 15 points with the Marlies. You know, that may be a guy that you can bring up too in a pinch. You have different guys. Crawl will be there. You know, Timothy Lilligren, Rasmus Sandin were big question marks going into the season, and they really look like a formidable pair now this season. The confidence is there for both of them as well. Um, the critique that I have for me is I want to see the power play and the penalty kill elevate to a higher level within the league because we all know special teams in the playoffs, when you get them, they are very key, whether it's penalty kill, whether it's power play. You want those two things clicking at a very high rate of succession because if they're not, it becomes a problem. Um, 
Then the other thing for me is I want the Leafs to be able to figure out who is going to play left wing with John Tavares and Mitch Marner. Get that done in January. Allow that player or players that you're bringing in to gel with this team and really roll. Because cohesiveness is huge. Having a guy come in in March at the trade deadline, you know, you're trying to fit a guy in. You're trying to get the schemes down. I like what the Leafs do when they acquire players. They don't just rush them in this season. Yeah, you know, Connor Simmons two weeks. I'm. I think Dubis is waiting on the status of Jake Muzzin before he can make the move, right? So we all know that Jake Muzzin is not playing. They know what we know. Jake Muzzin is playing in the playoffs, but he's not playing in the regular season. <laughs> he's playing in the playoffs. Okay, James. He okay, is, I know. I know you're beating that drum. But listen, uh, I will tell you fullheartedly that Jake Muzzin, if he is medically cleared, will play in the playoffs for the Leafs. One last hurrah, one last cowboy stand, just like Weber, just like Carey Price. That's what I'm thinking. But I agree with Clark, too. Four words, shot suppression and goals against. Yeah, the Leafs are killing it in shot suppression. They definitely are. But, yeah, that's what I would upgrade. That spot on the left wing, want to see somebody big come in and get it done. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But the Leafs, guys, looking good. There's only two other teams in the league that have a better win percentage and that's Carolina, and that is Boston. Toronto top three in the league, looking great. The goaltenders top two, top five, both of them in their respective categories. There's no other team in the NHL, I'm looking at it right now, that has two goalies within the top ten standings of any of the major metrics you use for goaltending. So I'm saying the Jennings Trophy, just give it to them if they keep playing this way throughout the rest of the year. But this right here, Pete, Unless you got anything else to say, we'll put a bow on it. I would say, I, I saw on Instagram, it looks like Roman at, um, Amarov, Amarov, am I saying that right? He's he's healthy now, no? Roman Demirov, I'll have to check, but if he I is. He's, uh, he's, he's cleared of his, hopefully his cancer. I mean, if he's healthy, I'd love to see him start playing again. Maybe one day he cracks his team, which would be amazing to see and a heartwarming story. But shout out to Roman Amirov. Yeah, shout out to Roman Amirov. Um, you Amirov. know, he is a player that we had Mark Seidel, who's in town here in Halifax, by the way, on the show and said, watch out. When healthy, Roman Amirov will be a top six talent for the Maple Leafs. He has that type of skill. Don't sleep on him. So I won't. And I will tell you this about Mark. Mark has been bang on with all the things he said from Slavkoski to other drafts, to players that he told us to watch. He's been bang on. So I will take him at his word until something falls out. But ladies and gentlemen, we will not have an episode on Sunday. We will put out a best of episode so you guys can check out something that we previously recorded. It may be just a show with a great guest that we had throughout the summer or throughout the year. We've had some good ones this year so far. We will be back, obviously, before the new year. We're not shutting her down for the holidays. But I want to say thank you to everyone so far for showing up on the live, showing up on the show, um, you know, watching us across the pond, supporting me, Pete, and Dylan uh, with whatever we do. We try to make sure we entertain you, have fun, um, and get great guests on and talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and just have fun with it, guys. So appreciate every single person. Pete, anything to say before I put the bow on? Stay safe and happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, because this is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Leafs 
and hockey come to talk. This is Popside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. 